Hey, it's Greg Stanley. As a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. We've got a really great guest today. We have Mark Green from Cars. Yeah, Mark, how are you doing today? Greg, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm doing great. Doing good. The sun is out. Summertime here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, we had a little rain over the weekend, but it just watered the lawn just enough, and uh, we're in for, actually, I think it, they say it's supposed to get up in the mid-80s the next few days, which is kind of rare for us, so we live in this idyllic little piece of the United States where there's no humidity, no bugs, no super heat, no super cold, it just kind of stays the same, not quite as idyllic from where I grew up in Southern California, where it's like always 74 and perfect, right? Right. At least that's the myth, but that's not really the truth. So, uh, uh, and taxes are a lot lower here, so <laughs> I'll, I'll take <laughs> this place. Yeah, they're saying a lot that it's sunny out there, uh, you know, coming out of the yeah, Northwest, yeah. No, so that's it's, great. It's beautiful. This time of year, to you see, uh, actually awesome. In fact, uh, I should get my uh, car out and go for a little drive today just to enjoy it. Well, so it's super awesome that you're here talking to me since you could be outside playing in the sun. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, this is a work day for me. You know, us podcasters, I mean, every day is a work day. Uh, I've already done a couple interviews this morning, uh, one very early with a guest from uh, the U.K., uh, you know, they're, they're always eight hours ahead of us or nine hours, depending on the time zone. So, uh, yeah, so I've been up for a lot. I get up very early anyway. So uh, my days, I won't say halfway done, but in most people's respects, it probably would be. So I think I've been uh, working since uh, 530 this morning. So no worries. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's great. And as you mentioned, you have a podcast. I've been a guest on your podcast. You've been a guest on my educational podcast for kids. And yes. I just want to call out, you've been a great inspiration for me. Uh, well, thank getting you. In, yeah, getting into the podcast world. I love your format of kind of make, putting the focus on the guests, uh, which I thought was really great. So I really appreciate it. Uh, the guidance you've given me over, year has been really, over the years has been really nice. Uh, so if you would, give us an update on what's going on with the Cars Yeah world. Cars, yeah, world. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, let's see. Tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing my 1,636th guest in six wow. years here on Cars, yeah, almost six and a half years now. Uh, I would have never thought. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, last year, 2019, I did uh, my first venture into the TV world. I shot 13 episodes of Cars, yeah, television, and uh, that aired and live streamed for the year. COVID killed that project this year <laughs> oh. as it has, it has wiped out so many things for people. We'll see if we can bring that back. We've already shot five episodes of season two, so I'm hoping we can find a network to land on and bring that back. But that's a, a whole other discussion for another time. Uh, I started a second podcast this year with Keith Martin, the publisher of Sports Car Market Magazine, and we launched it. Uh, in February, we did 29 episodes. Um, he just uh, sadly kind of suspended that um, challenges in his world of publishing right now. I'm hoping we can bring that back. That was called Buy, Sell, Hold. But uh, all of you can go and find that on your podcast app. It's still out there. You can find it on my website. All the shows are there. And that show was different than mine in the respect that we were co-hosts. I produced it, but we were co-hosts. 
And we had guests from around the world who were collectors and specialists in the collector car market. So we really talked to them about the, the car they, would, they bought, the car they would hold, and the car that they've sold, and then a car that ticked all the boxes. So it tied a little bit of cars, yeah, and what I do into that. And I'm working on another project. It's Secrets. I can't share it with you, but it's another co-hosted podcast. I'm hoping I can get launched this year. Something really different for the automotive world, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. So, yeah, I'm staying busy, and, uh, you know, aside from this crazy COVID, which for us podcasters, we don't go anywhere anyway, although, you know, we I work from home and have for quite a while, but uh, I did have eight trips planned this year, including the big Pebble Beach Car Week, which would have been my 31st, and uh, couldn't go to that. And, of course, SEMA's now down. I That would have been my 31st year going to SEMA. So not going to these events has been frustrating because that's where you run into all your old friends, and I run into all my old guests, which is a bit of homecoming for me. I always feel like when I have a guest on the show like you, Greg, we become friends. And even though you don't see them and maybe don't talk to them all the time, I still consider them my friend because they shared a part of their life. So uh, all in all, you know, my family's healthy. No COVID stuff going on here. We've all been fine. And um, other than that, my daughter moved up here from San Diego up to the Pacific Northwest. So she's closer to me. And my son and his fiance he's going to be getting married. They were here for a couple of weeks to help. My wife had a surgery, and she's been recovering from that. So they drove up from San Francisco, and uh, we're here helping. So, yeah, it's, it's been good. I I don't have complaints uh, other than uh, I wish some of the hooligans in this country would stop destroying cities. That really, that really has me angry, but right. we won't go into that respect here because uh, I want to talk cars. I want I don't want to be upset, so. Yeah, right. it's going great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, and, and talking about cars is something that always brings people together, you know? Yes. Because I could have, yeah. like, zero something in common with someone that has a rat rod, but I love his rat rod, and I want to hear more about it. I right. want to hear the story about how he put it together and why he did certain things, and that goes across all cars from all generations for, I think, both of us. So that's really cool. Well, if you would, I know you've covered it on your podcast, but kind of tell us, you know, a little bit about your passion for cars and how you got into cars and then also, if you would, how that led to Cars, yeah. Well, uh, I'll go back to my dad. When I was about five years old in the early 60s, aged me a little bit, my father bought a 49 MGTC. And he was an architect, he was an artist, a designer, and uh, he actually drove that car to work every day for a while. Uh, when you think back about that, that's saying something. But that's the car that kicked it off for me. Uh, and I do remember him taking me to the drug, or not the drugstore, the hardware store, to buy stuff he was always working on projects and my first matchbox that he bought me and i still have it it's somewhere around here uh is a red uh jaguar coupe uh still have the box for it as well which is shows you how crazy i am uh, but that kicked it off because i i still remember riding in that car with my father it was right hand drive so that was unique the doors on those tcs came down low so if you were a little boy you could still put your elbow in the arm uh, on the the door, I should say, and feel like you're a, an adult. And he even had a spare steering wheel he would hand me, and I would pretend like I was driving. And when people would pull up and look down, they go, "Why is a five year old kid driving that unique little uh, British sports car?" And I'd laugh and hold it up in the air, and we'd all laugh. So those memories uh, with my dad in that car, although they faded over time a bit, uh, remind me of uh, why I fell in love with cars. And from there, it just it never ended, and it moved forward. I started a detailing business in junior high, 
where I would detail cars and make money. That would uh, supply me with surfboards for my surfing habit because I grew up in uh, uh, La Jolla, California, uh, close to the beach. So I went surfing a lot. And that car detailing business took me all the way into college. It paid for my college education. In fact, even after I got married, I met my wife. Uh, in fact, uh, I better write this down. Next week is our 35th wedding anniversary. So, uh, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Can you believe it? It seems uh, like it flew by pretty quick. But I met my wife there, and uh, I remember she used to come over and study in the yard, uh, the house I was renting in college, and I would detail cars and in the driveway. And I even did that into our first couple of years of marriage to help save up money to buy our first home. So detailing cars led to well, before that, I went to work for 11 years as a creative director and an advertising executive in an ad firm in San Diego, and uh, I landed an account for us that was a startup company at the time called Griot's Garage, uh, and so we started designing and producing their catalog, became friends with Richard Griot. He invited me to come on board, gave me a part of the business, and so for 20-plus years, I helped build that brand, develop the uh, the car care line, um, would travel the world looking for products, uh, started vintage racing, did that for 12 years, and it was funny how I came back from detailing cars as a kid into developing car care products for people so they could care for their vehicles as well. So the car bug has been in me for a long, long time, and then I left Grios and uh, took about a year off. Uh, I was helping my wife. She was recovering from a pretty serious illness. And while I was doing that, my son came up with the idea. He was in college, and he came home the first summer, and I said, you know, I need to figure out something to do. I'm too young to retire. I don't want to retire. Uh, my dad always says retirement was a kiss of death. In fact, when he sold his business and retired, he threw his TV away. He said they were death boxes because all, <laughs> all his old friends sat around and watched TV and died. So uh, he kept going strong. And so, uh, yeah, my son said, hey, Dad. You've been taking me to car shows, vintage races, Concours events since I was a little kid. What do I always tease you about, Dad? You can't walk by somebody without asking them about their car and their business. Why don't you do that? And I said, who's going to pay me to go to car events and ask people questions? And he said, no, 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 a podcast. And I went, what's a podcast? And so he gave me some links, and I watched uh, or listened to, I should say, a bunch of podcasts, called as many people as I could, and within three months, I'd built this whole concept around Cars Yeah and launched Cars Yeah. And I really thought I'd maybe do it for a year or two. That's kind of it. And I received some headhunter inquiries about maybe running other companies because I was the president at Griot's Garage for the years before I left there. And uh, But, you know, I love what I'm doing. It's so much fun. And when I got that first commission check or sponsor check i think i almost cried in the driveway because i went whoa this this can work and people are interested and uh now i've got so many followers i know uh, according to lips in my rss feed i'm in the top one percent of unique downloaded podcasts per month of all the podcasts in the country which kind of blows me away uh but it helps with recruiting those sponsors as you know that's one of the hardest things about podcasting is getting people to commit their hard-earned money to you to promote them and uh, you know it's just led to so many things i've been invited to be keynote speaker at events i've been invited to go to concord events to to speak or to judge um of course all those got canceled this year sadly but next year they'll come back i have no doubt and it's led to this other podcast that i did with keith martin it's going to lead to future different kinds of podcasts but mostly it's all about 
what I designed the whole show around, and that was giving back, inspiring automotive enthusiasts by interviewing inspiring people like you and the many people I've had on the guest to share those stories that you can have fun and you can do what you really love in your life. And I get to talk to people from all over the world. Like I said, this morning I was talking to a guy in the UK. A few days ago I interviewed a guy who makes these really cool automotive watches. Um, He actually... Well, we're on Skype. Nobody can see this. He actually sent me one of his his Reservoir watches. Nice. Beautiful. A $4,000 watch. And, uh, yeah, so um, I'm doing some videos for some of my sponsors now that they're using on the YouTube page. So the world is just keeps opening and opening up if you just look for those opportunities, those intersections to go down the right roadway. So uh, thanks for letting me share kind of a, a very brief down version of what six years, <laughs> six and a half years now has been like. But it, it's it's fun. I, I love talking to people. I love sharing stories and hearing from people how they've done what they've done has been a, a tremendous, tremendous reward for me every day. You know, as you know, when you dial in with somebody, most of the people I interview I've never met. I've never yep. spoken to, so I always say it's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, <laughs> but it always tastes pretty darn good. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Now, this is about collector cars, and you mentioned an MGTC. Yep. Do you currently have one of those in your garage? I've never owned an MGTC. I've always thought about it. I've always, you know, it's a lot for a lot of us. These collector cars are about history. They're about something we wanted. And when you think about the last 20 years, the baby boomers came into their prime and they started buying what they couldn't afford when they were kids. 60s muscle cars, 50s sports cars, about the 70s, kind of that malaise area is a little dicey, you know. But there are some cool cars in that period, uh, Porsches, for example, and we'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, No, I've never had a TC. Uh, In fact, up until probably seven or eight years ago, maybe actually longer I was shooting a cover shot for Griot's Garage catalog, and a gentleman who lives up here in the Northwest brought his TC over and offered to let me drive it. And I I must say, after I drove it, I came back, and the fantasy of owning one kind of (laughs) fell apart a little bit. Uh, That's one of the things I always say to people. If you have a fantasy for a collector car, you need to go drive a few of them because collector cars, and it's obvious, but a lot of people don't think this way. Our cars today are so perfect. I mean, even a Honda Civic is is a kick-butt car. I mean, it'll go fast. It'll do great things. These old cars don't do anything really, really well other than make us feel really, really well. So you need to drive your car of your dream and decide one thing. If you've gotten a little bigger, do you fit in it? Uh, And what does it feel like? And you really have to kind of have a different attitude. So, no, I I probably will never own an MGTC, although I must admit I just interviewed a guy from Monaco – who has several of them, and when he started talking about them, I got a little bit nostalgic and thought, nah, maybe maybe that's something I'd like to have again um, or have someday. But again, I, I kind of doubt it. Uh, those cars, uh, they're not quite fast enough for me. I like fast cars. <laughs> well, and I actually spoke to a, a collector of MGs recently, and he was very specific. He's like, I don't want to drive the TC. I want to drive the TD. You know, it was very specific. Yeah, Just the, the TD little or the changes. TF. Right, right. It's very interesting. So you do not have one of those in your garage, but now what do you have in your garage? Well, I have a car that I've become kind of known for. I've had it for 11 years. Found it on a a odd eBay night on a Sunday right before the auction closed. It was a car I really lusted after when I first got married in the 80s. But of course, 
we were just married. We just bought our first house. We just had our first child. So extra money for toys like that was not really existent. And I used to go buy Hohen Porsche on my way home. It was in Carlsbad, California, and look at the turbos. Uh, now, when the turbo came out in the 70s, some friends of mine, you know, I was in high school, so I couldn't afford a turbo, but some friends of mine's fathers had them and would give me rides. And I always had loved Porsches. They're the mark of choice for me since I was a little kid. And so in the 80s, when they brought the turbo back in the U.S. marketplace, it was like, oh, man, that's the car to have. And so I found a 1987 turbo that is a very unique car. It's a coupe. Uh, it has pretty much every option you could get at the time. But it was painted through their paint-to-sample program. And in a Porsche, you can have a car painted in almost every color. There are some restrictions, but they'll do it if you're really a big cuss. Probably Jerry Seinfeld could probably get any color he wants, but he's got a few more Porsches than I do. So uh, uh, his TV show was a lot more successful, that's for sure, <laughs> than mine. So uh, I found this 87. It's a paint-to-sample in a six-stage metallic pearl orange. Now... When you first listen to that, you might go, ugh, that sounds a little gaudy. But it works on the turbo body because it's got all these layers of paint underneath. There's gold, um, green, orange, yellow, a pearlescent, a clear coat. And the way I know that is when you open the trunk and take the carpets out, they didn't paint the inside of the trunks of those cars like the outside. So you can see all those different layers of color. It's it's really fascinating. And this car has a really interesting history because the guy I bought it from said he was the first owner and I had all the paperwork, but some of the paperwork wasn't really aligning with what he said. He also, uh, when I got it from him, he owed me uh, the original radio. He had replaced the radio, which was a Blaupunk Reno with a one of those goofy 80s Clarion radios at the you can't even operate them right. They're just the dumbest things. Luckily, he didn't cut any of the speaker holes. He left everything stock. Everything's original on this car except for that. And he never sent me that radio, which was frustrating. And then he kind of dropped off because I think he was probably embarrassed that he never sent it to me. So I, the paperwork, there was something odd in the paperwork, and that was the delivery. It was a European delivery car. Hmm. But there was a woman's signature that didn't match this guy's wife's name, which was on the original title. Uh-oh. And I thought, yeah, I thought, hmm, I wonder if he's got a girlfriend somewhere. So uh, – Long story short, we fast forward, and I use my car, as I call it affectionately, my orange crush, because I have a crush on it. I just fell in love with it when I saw it. There was just something about it that spoke to me. And I got this call from a guy who follows me, my podcast, and my Instagram, and he said, I got to talk to you about that car. Well, it turns out that his father owned the dealership that ordered the car. And he was a teenager at the time, and he said, my dad used to do something his dad long has since doesn't have the dealership anymore, and I'll leave names out of it in case somebody ever got in trouble for this. But he would order special cars through his employees' names to get better allocations from the factory, and they were all custom. So he called Porsche. He had seen this color on a trip to Germany on another car, and he asked Porsche if they would paint the car that color, and they said, no, it's six-stage, too complicated well, he got them to do it, but they said you have to order three cars, not just one in that color. So he ordered two coupes like mine and one with the Fluchtbau slant nose option Wow! and shipped them over to the U.S. Well, the way he did it was he would send his employees over to pretend to be his customers. They would take delivery. They'd sign the receipt 
which is what I have, the delivery receipt in Europe, and then they'd hand the keys back and they would go on a trip that the dealer would pay for for a week in Germany and the cars would get shipped back. Well, when these three cars got shipped to this dealer, he immediately took two of them to his house to hide them. Hmm. He didn't want anybody to know there were three. And he put the first one on his showroom floor as this custom car, probably sold it for a massive premium. Well, this guy that called me, the son of this dealer, said, I used to sit in my garage and sit in your car and dream about owning that car. <laughs> and he goes, well, after my dad finally sold them, and one of them was sold to the guy I got the car from, my dad, you know, they were long forgotten. And he said, I've always wondered where they are. Oh, my gosh, I found it. I found the orange car. And he said, I have to have that. I want to buy it. And I said, okay, everything's for sale. And he said, well, how much do you want? And the number I threw at him, he went, well, I can't afford that. I said, well, when you can, call me back. <laughs> so uh, because everything is eventually for sale for most right. people. Uh, but I threw him an obscene number. Uh, the car has gone up massive amount in 11 years. Those turbos had been at the bottom of their depreciation in the marketplace. And they shot up into 2014, 15. They've since kind of leveled and come down. But my car being so unique, uh, you can't replace it. In fact, I used to know where the other two cars were, but they've since disappeared. They've been sold, and I, I've never seen them out there. No one's ever posted a picture of them. You'd think there'd be somebody posting that on Instagram or Facebook or something, but never seen one in my color, and I don't know if I ever will. I hope those two are still out there somewhere. But, yeah, so that's the story of the Orange Crush. So that's my, my toy car. I do drive it. It's just one over 41,000 miles. I, I, don't, I never drove it as a daily driver, although some days when I was back at Griot's, I would drive it into work. But, um, I, you know, I kind of reserve it for special drives and things. I probably wouldn't leave it parked anywhere because if somebody – vandalize it i'd be heartbroken because that originality value would decline um, but i'm kind of stuck in that that rut that some people get into it happened with my 72s that i used to have it got so valuable that i found myself not driving it and treating it like a little mini 401k and that's why i eventually sold it it paid for my son's college education but this car uh, i can't see it going anywhere unless somebody just has very deep pockets and one of those big golfer's checks that are real large with a lot of <laughs> right. zeros that really wanted it, they might be able to pry it out of my hands. So, uh, And that might lead to some of your future questions of cars I'd love to have. But uh, <laughs> that's the Orange Crush story, so I'm sticking to that one. Yeah, for our listeners, you can check out the podcast artwork for this episode where I made it into a fun little piece of artwork with yeah, an orange cool. in the background. Yeah. So check that out. It's on the website. Now, speaking of which... Can you tell me about a car that got away, one that you wanted and you really tried to pursue it and it just was out of your grasp? Oh, gosh. The sad thing is it was within my grasp, but I let it get away. And this is the holy grail. That's even gra worse. Yeah, I that know. hurts even more. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it, well, it's, it's kind of like somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, um, when you first moved here, um, what, how would you have invested $250,000? And I said, well, I invested it in my house 26 years ago. I moved to the Pacific Northwest. But if I'd been really smart, I would have bought stock in this little company that was selling books called Amazon. That money would be worth $30 billion today or right. some insane number. <laughs> right. Maybe $30 billion is a wrong number. But, I, well, actually, that might be right. It probably could be when you look at where they are. So, yeah, there's one that got away. Uh, then yeah. then we'd be having this talk from my yacht 
somewhere right. in, the, in the Mediterranean. Actually, you want to be talking to me if you're on a yacht. <laughs> hey, Greg, I would you'd still be my friend, Greg. I okay. definitely I'd invite, I'd send a jet over to pick you up and fly oh. into my yeah, we can hang out together and talk cars on the Riviera there. So uh, I'll take you up on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, I did buy a little. I did buy a little uh, Tesla, and that's done quite well this year. Boy, uh, that guy. There's another guy that is a hero of mine. I wish I could get him on my podcast. So back to the question. 1973 RS Carrera. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, both the lightweight and the standard road car. Uh, that's always been a car that I've lusted after. Always wanted to have. Way back when I had just moved here not too long after I moved here, a gentleman I met who had a very cool, another bucket list car for me, a 58 Speedster, also had a 73 RS Carrera, and he decided to sell it. And I had met him through the Porsche Club, and he called and said, hey, I'm going to let my car go, and I was so excited. And at the time, I think he wanted like $60,000 for it, and that was a lot of money 20-plus years ago. And so I came home, as us guys do, and with my tail between my legs, said, uh, Honey, uh, uh, guess who wants to, Sid wants to sell his Carrera? And she looked at me, you know, how much does he want for that? And I go, seven, <laughs> what, well, excuse me, what did you say? Uh, $60,000, what? Are you crazy? That would take our money out of our savings. And I said, this car is going to go up in value. I promise you, I promise you. And she just kind of, Use the line that she always uses, which always works really well. Well, if you think that's a good way to spend our money. <laughs> and I looked at my little baby girl, you know, my little girl, my little baby boy in the house, and they were getting ready to go off to private, you know, school and looking at the college looming way in the distance that we're putting money away for and everything else that you have to spend in life. My wife had been a a career engineer and when we moved here we decided that it'd be great if she could retire and stay home and raise the kids so we lost half our income and yada 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 as they say on the Seinfeld show um so I passed now I looked into even taking a second out on our house uh which I always say if you got to do that to buy a car you cannot afford a car Unless you're getting just such a deal and you're going to be flipping it and you're going to make a quick 20, 50 grand or whatever it might be. But to speculate like that, if you're not a dealer, dumb, stupid, don't do it. Uh, Get David Ramsey's book and learn how to deal with your money properly. (laughs) So I passed on that car and I've always regretted, of course, because we all know where those things have gone. They went through the roof. Uh, and plus just having one of those, it was white with the red, um, you know, which is super cool. So that, that, that would be my big gotaway story because it was right there. I could have done it and could have, would have, should have words of a loser. Right. Uh, right. so they say, but again, if it's not right for you and I had a guest on my show recently said that if you can't buy a car and pay cash and buy it twice, you can't afford it. Right. So I think that's a, a good way to go through life. Uh, yeah, if you just can't afford it, you can't afford it. So you just don't do it. Uh, it's not smart. But yeah, that one, that one, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's ask, yeah, let's ask the next question. Which car is on your wish list right now? Is there one you're looking for actively? No, I'm not looking for anything right now. My garage is full. Um, you know, I, I when I worked at Grios, I had a place to park cars down there. So at one point, I had two race cars and two motorcycles and three collector cars and a nice daily driver. And then my kids had cars. I'd bought them. And I, I, I got to a point where I had so many cars and I wasn't enjoying them. I always look at these people that have 10, 20, 50. I have a 
guest on my show that has over 500 cars. I'm like, how can you, good for him. And he's done great in the world, but how can you have, enjoy all those vehicles, especially if you're working? I was working 10, 11 hours a day, seven days a week. And I just looked one day and I went, man, I've tied up a lot of money. Now, I will say I've been very, very fortunate, and it's just pure luck. Every collector car I bought, I've made money on. And that's Mm. pretty darn rare. But I think the secret to that, and I didn't know it at the time, was buy something that's very nice. Buy something someone else already paid all the money to restore. Or buy something that's very original. But buy something that was super popular when it first came out. Because chances are it will be super popular in the future. So all the cool cars I've had, uh, I've made money on. And it's I've kind of been surprised by it. And it's typically somebody really wants it and they give me a price like probably someone will do with the Orange Crush someday. And I go, okay, I'll let it go. Um, I just I rarely ever look back with sadness because that was my time with a car. And now I can go have time of the different car, and I'm hoping that they're having some fun with it too. So I really don't have any regrets about letting cars go. Now, there's certainly some bucket list cars if you want to talk about those. Sure, let's do it. Like lottery cars, you know, dream cars. Well, I very rarely blow a buck on a lottery ticket, but every once in a while I'll do that. And as soon as I get it, I turn it over and I write one word on the back. Now, Greg, can you guess what that word might be? I would think some type of Porsche, but okay, maybe I'm yeah, off on yeah. that. No, no, no. I, You're not off at all. That's my, I told you, I gave you that hint. That will Easter it be a 550 Speedster? Well, um, uh, 550 Spider? Spy, that, yeah, that could be a 58 Speedster or a 58 Coupe. Of course, those cars, if I bought those now after having driven cars built by Rod Emery and John Wilhoyt, mm-hmm. I, would, I, I couldn't drive a stock one. They're just too slow. Uh, too disappointing. So I would, I would. Wait, no, before you say it, let me guess one more time. Okay. Singer. Oh yeah, there you go. You got it. Bing, bing, bing. Oh winner, good. Okay. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, <laughs> as they say. Yeah, I write the word singer on the back of that thing. To me, what Rob Dickinson is doing, he's been a guest on my show twice, is absolutely insane. And the fact that you could get an old car that's new, that is could be built exactly how you want it. And his perfectionism, which I'm very anal retentive when it comes to things being in their place, um, that's, uh, yeah, that would probably be the car I would go get. And and interestingly enough, if you look at the few singers that have resold, they've resold for more than what they were bought for. So yeah. like Rod Emery's cars, like a lot of John Wilhoyt's builds, it's amazing because that doesn't happen very often with what I would call a a European hot rod or resto mod, which is really what they are if you think about it, a resto yeah. mod. So, yeah, singer, baby, singer. And now here's the hard part. How would I spec it? And I can't tell you how many nights I've sat with uh, Rob Dickens' <laughs> book looking at, okay, let's start with the color and then go to the inside. And, uh, yeah, singer, baby. That's well, let's it. say you won the mini lottery. The mini lottery. I, the mini lottery, and I said you have a hundred thousand dollars, and you have to spend it on a collectible car. What would you buy? Oh, come on, Greg, can't you at least triple that so I can get what I want? <laughs> I can get one of those uh, three fifty six outlaw no. cars. No, a hundred thousand. No. Okay. Yep. 
Well, most people would be happy for that, Mark. I, oh, I'm I'm not being greedy. I'm just <laughs> see. I hang out with too many people that have too much money and have too many cool cars. You know, it's like going to uh, Car Week in Pebble Beach, and you come back thinking you're as rich as everybody you're with until your Visa card, your bill shows up, and then you go, "Oh my gosh, why did I buy that dinner? That was a ridiculous right. way to waste money." Hundred thousand dollars. Hmm. Well. You know, there's a car that I've always really kind of thought about, and I'm not sure if I could get one, would be the 50, I think it's a 5600M Austin Healey. And I think I could probably find one for that. Yeah. And now some people might say, well, maybe not a Concorde level one, but so, a, a nice driver. Uh, there's something about that car with the tilted back windshield and the leather strap on the bonnet and the extra slats in the hood I've never driven one. I've driven in one, um, but there's something just kind of cool. Probably beckons back to that 49 MGTC my dad had, and I love 50s era cars. So I would have to say I might just – because I don't think I could even find a decent – I might be able to find a decent 356 coupe, like a 58 for that, a driver maybe, but those things have just become – obscene numbers um and then i'd be disappointed that i couldn't have john or rod outlaw the thing so yeah let, let's go with that for today okay that, that may okay. have that may have made some people's eyebrows going up if they know me or listen to me go what an old british car but i just love the way they look and i would love to have one that's got ivory coves and is that beautiful kind of uh seafoam green color mm-hmm. uh, i don't know what they called it but i yeah, or maybe the ivory cove and the off-white cove and the dark blue or I don't know. It's yeah, they're they're beautiful wire wheels and yeah, yeah. give me give me that. That's a great car and I I'm pleased that I seem to have stumped you briefly. You did. A little bit. I'm going to now try to stump you in a big way. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. So this is the little game I like to play at the end called Keep Cash and Crush. Ugh. So I, I give you three cars. Okay. And you have to pick one to keep forever, one to cash in, and one to crush. Okay. And so these three cars, you've actually unfortunately mentioned them throughout our conversation. I have? Well, yes. no, that's okay. That just means we know each other well. Okay. So our three cars are, one of them is a slant nose orange crush. Okay. The slant nose orange oh, crush. Oh, yeah, the only one, yeah. The only one ever made. Uh, the next one is a 73 RS, but with the wrong engine. So, not oh, numbers matching. You know, that's curveball. That's interesting. You know why? Because I found out that that 73 that I could have bought had the wrong engine in it much later. Oh, okay. I knew who bought it, and it turns out it had the wrong engine in it. It was not the original case matching numbers engine. In fact, it wasn't even a Carrera engine case. It had been modified. That led to a whole nother ball of problems. But, so it sounds uh, like your wife was right. Is that what I'm hearing? You know what? As much as it pains me, <laughs> but she's way smarter than me. So, yeah, she was right. Okay. And then the third car is a 58 Speedster, non-Carrera. So those are your three cars. The Orange Crush Slant Nose, the 73 RS with the wrong engine, and a 58 Speedster. So which one would you keep forever? Which one would you cash in? And which one would you crush? You know, I thought this was going to be hard because that crunch part of your question really angsted me because I just think every car deserves to live in somebody's garage but it's your game it's your show so i have to play by your rules just like when you were on my show and all the people on my show i have all my rules too you know okay this is actually easier than i thought i am going to 
I'm going to start with a painful one. I'm going to crush that slant nose. What? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I know. Why? No. Why? Because I don't like slant noses unless it's a 935 race car. I don't like okay. the looks. I don't like anything about them. They just look wrong. I'm a 911 guy at heart. I've had 11 of them now, I think. So, yeah, uh, sorry all you folks out there that are just going, okay, turn off the podcast. Mark <laughs> Green is insane. I'm crushing the Orange Crush slant nose. But, of course, it doesn't matter to me because that just drove the value of mine yes, up because now there's did. only two. I am going to... Oh wait a minute! I'm gonna. Can I back up? I sure. to, I totally blew this whole thing. Back up, back up. <laughs> I, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm crushing. This is going to be even worse. I'm crushing the '73 RS. Okay. Goodbye. Wrong engine. You failed. See you. I'm cashing in on the slant nose, even though it probably well it is worth less than the wrong engine '73. I'm going to cash in on that one. Okay. And then I'm keeping the Speedster because I have wanted a Speedster since I was a kid. Uh, we had a neighbor on our street that had one. I was a little kid just starting to learn how to surf. And he used to take me surfing and he'd give me rides in it. Here's the thing about his Speedster. It was a, okay, that could have been another getaway. It was a Carrera. Oh, wow. And yeah. he offered to sell it to me. I was 12 years old. He wanted like $3,200. My parents just laughed at me when I begged and pleaded them. Of course, I remind them to this day what it's worth now. But, uh, um, yeah, I could have no sooner come up with that kind of money. I mean, I had a paper out, but I maybe had, you know, 300 bucks in my bank account. But, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, did you counter off offer three dollars a, a piece of gum? And I <laughs> I had every creative thing I could think of. He was an interesting neighbor. We had a little lived in La Jolla. All the streets were families, but he was this bachelor. So all of us boy kids on the street thought he was the coolest dude. He was a surfer and long hair. Looking back, he probably was living off of a trust fund or something like that, you know, because you go, what? How can you live in this neighborhood at that age and be driving cool cars? And maybe he was dealing drugs. Who knows? Uh, never offered me any, so that was good. So, uh, yeah, I, I always thought about that. But, yeah, I think that's the way I would go. And I know some people would probably go, well, wait a minute. That 73 is worth more, so you don't know what you're talking about. You're probably right, but... Uh, I don't know, but the most important one is the one I want, and that's the Speedster. Always wanted one. Maybe someday I'll be fortunate enough, but again, they just keep going through the roof. I drove one of Rod Emery's Outlaw Speedsters last summer when uh, I was shooting my TV show. I shot one of the episodes with him. That was going to be for season two, and he let me drive one of his cars. And then the next day, I went to John Wilhoit's, and he let me drive a coupe that had his 2.2 liter engine oh, wow. in it. And yeah. after that, I just went. I'll never want an old 356 again. I mean, just why would you want to go that slow? So, but that's a tough boy, Greg. That's a that's a mean question. I don't know why. Oh, you... good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it was tougher than we thought. I was wondering. I'm not a big slant slant nose fan either. No, but I, I thought, how no. cool would it be if you had two of the three orange crushes matching in your garage? You I mean, know, I cool. I don't. I wouldn't. If you offered it to me, I'd sell it as quick as I could. I dislike them <laughs> that much. And what I would probably find is. Uh, I couldn't get an RS, but I'd probably find maybe a really cool – I have a friend that has a really cool paint-to-sample metallic green SC, 78 SC, mm. and I love those cars. The engines are just right, and it's just – it looks – next to my car, they look like two little jelly beans in a white white bowl. I mean, yeah. they're they're just delightful. So, uh, And I've never had an SC, so um, yeah. Anyway, but that – yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Oh, good. One. Good. Yeah. Well, now – 
What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about cars? Yeah, I'm assuming 99.9% of them already listen to you, but let's go ahead and say it anyways. (laughs) Well, I need every percent I can get. So for you one percenters, uh, yeah, you can find me on carsyeah.com. And I want to offer everybody a nice little gift here that's listening. If you go to my website and click on the free book button, I'll send you my free filler up book. Uh, That's a book that I created. It's an ebook that has some very cool uh, gas cap photographs now you may go what (laughs) but if you know old cars like i've seen old cars there are some beautiful gas caps on old cars throughout the generations and it's filled with great quotes from guests that have been on my show so i'll send you that plus your name gets in the hat to win uh in fact i'm giving away 10 books uh this week from a current guest um a very interesting guy named jerry cox who wrote a book called killer airbags about the takata airbag debacle which is near and dear to my heart because we have a bunch of bmws and they've all had to have their airbags replaced including my yeah you never asked me about my e46 m3 did you I didn't. Well, yeah. why don't we talk about that for a second? Well, I'll, I'll give you yeah. <laughs> I love that car. I, I bought, the, I tell you, I sold a 993 uh, 4S to buy that car because I had a first 2001 E46 and I was commuting every day, bad traffic commute. It was terrible, but I wanted a 993. I found a beautiful car in Texas. I bought it, but commuting in that car was no fun at all. And so I sold it to a guy who paid me more than I bought it for, shockingly. Uh, it was a 98. And I bought a 2005 E46 M3. That was 15 years ago. I still have it. It's got 61,000 miles. I love that car. And I was just talking to a friend. He took me on his boat this weekend. And he said, you know, if you uh, had to sell your car, because I've got three people who really want my car. They, they bug me all the time. When are you going to sell me the car? And he said, what would you get? And I said, well, for kind of a daily driver, but I don't drive anywhere every day because, you know, but for a fun car, I didn't care about taking out in the weather like I do my Orange Crush. Probably a Cayman. I really mm. like like a GT4. Oh, I yeah. really like really like the Caymans, but my E46 is awesome. Anyway, back to how you find me. Thanks for letting me. <laughs> I, I couldn't sure. forget the E46 would be crying in my garage. Uh, is uh, You can go to my website. You can also – that also subscribes you to win – books i'm giving away books and things all the time uh you can find me on instagram under cars yeah i've got two facebook pages mark green with an e on the end greeny as they call me in italy and uh also cars yeah uh, uh twitter although i just basically post stuff there i never read anything on twitter and i do linkedin posts of all my guests every day so you can find me in all those places reach out to me and if any of your listeners out there have an automotive industry business and they would love some to get some exposure contact me about being a guest on my show. I do five shows a week. I'm always looking for interesting people like Greg to support and promote. So uh, reach out to me. I'm always looking for cool people to be on the show. Uh, But most of all, I hope you follow me and uh, share your stories, you know, your cars and all that kind of fun stuff. I love communicating with people. I'm pretty active on social media, sometimes probably more than I should be. Uh, But uh, yeah, and I keep it all uh, political free. I just, we're all about cars and inspiring people here. So I don't, barrage you with any of that stuff we we see enough of that everywhere else every day yes amen to that well thank you so much for your time today mark it's been great having you on the collector car podcast greg thanks for letting me be here this is uh, fantastic i really appreciate it can't wait to talk to you again thanks for listening to the collector car podcast don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes and be sure to follow us on instagram and everywhere else at the collector car podcast